Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Was the evenings we've been uh, sharing on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. This will be lesson, I think it's lesson four, somewhere around there. So we're just talking about the Holy Ghost tonight. So let's pray, then we'll get right into the study of God's Word. We thank you, Father, for the privilege of gathering together in the name of Jesus to study your holy written word. We invite your spirit to be our teacher and to be our guide, to guide us into all the truth, to speak to us what he hears from you, Father, to show us the things that are to come, the things that you want us to know. Father, I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to proclaim with boldness and accuracy the knowledge of the truth that liberates, delivers, and sets free. Thank you, dear Father God, that your word will not return to you void, but it will accomplish that which you please and prosper in the thing whereto you sent it. Give us ears to hear it, hearts to receive it, minds that are open to it, and change us by it from glory to glory. Hallelujah, by your spirit, that we would never be the same again. And for all things, we'll give you all praise, honor, and glory that you deserve in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Talking about the Holy Ghost. This is his dispensation. The Father planned out our redemption. Jesus worked out our redemption. And the Holy Ghost makes it a reality and reveals Jesus to us in this life. Amen. Anybody need a copy of the notes? Just kind of raise your hand if you like. All right. Galatians 5.16 will be our opening text. We're talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of God the flesh. Notice he didn't say thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. He said walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So what's the challenge? To walk in the spirit. Our flesh is never going to be able to do it. But if we walk in the spirit, then the flesh won't dominate. Amen. Praise God. And it's important that we understand that our biggest enemy is not the devil. Our biggest concern is not the world, but our biggest concern is the flesh. No, not one amen. Amen, (laughs) I live with mine. Do you live with yours? (laughs) Does it want to do what you don't want to do sometimes? And does it not want to do what you want to do? I should read a little bit more, but I'm hungry and I'm tired and I've got this to do. I've got that to do. Have you been there? Do we have the same kind of flesh going? Sure, we all do, don't we? Absolutely. So it takes discipline. But uh, if you think about it, it was the flesh that caused Cain to kill his brother Abel. He yielded to it, right? Rather than control it or keep it under. And then what about Joseph's brothers? How jealous they were of their brother. And what did they do? They sold him into slavery. Why? Because they didn't control the flesh. And Moses, what about Moses? He got so angry, he struck the rock twice, not once, and was denied entrance into the promised land because he didn't control his flesh. Your flesh ever give you trouble? Once in a while? Mm-hmm. Then you've got, let's see, Solomon, right? And you've got David and 
others that we could name in the Bible that gave in to the lust of the flesh. David and Bathsheba. Solomon with all of his wives that he had, which he was not supposed to marry. And then also Samson. He was a strong, strong man, but not stronger than a woman. He can kill a thousand Philistines, but couldn't tame one female. Ladies, you got some power out there. (laughs) Weren't they all victimized because they didn't control the lust of their flesh? Sure. You know, and then uh, it just goes on. You've got the prodigal son and his, his brother. What was that guy thinking? Big shot, proud, arrogant. Give me my inheritance. I'm going to do my own thing. Live the way I want to live. Go ahead. Then of course he comes back with his tail between his legs and repenting. Why? Because he wouldn't control his flesh the first time. If he had done it in the first place, that would have never happened. But then you got the right self-righteous other brother when he comes back and says, out of his jealousy, you never made me a fatted calf. See how the flesh is? The flesh can get ugly, can it? It's very controlling. You realize that? It's narcissistic. You realize that? It wants to do its own thing. It wants its own way. Did Jesus not say the flesh is weak? But listen to that. Is it really weak? It's weak when it comes to resisting sin. The lust of the flesh, etc., etc. It's strong in wanting to do what is wrong and wanting to have its own way, right? So what did Jesus do? He sent his spirit to tame this flesh of ours. And before we get into it, the flesh might be weak, but the spirit is willing. And if we walk in the spirit, we won't fulfill the lusts or the works of the flesh. And before we get into our teaching, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 1, here's a pattern here. Because we're going to get the spiritual gifts. Not tonight, but we're going to eventually get there. Because here's the pattern to follow. That's why I want to start with the fruit of the Spirit. The pattern is follow after charity, agape, divine love, and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. But look at the pattern. Follow after charity. That's what we follow. Charity, divine love is supposed to be the motivating force behind all the activity of our lives. And so the better way is walking in love. And if we walk in the realm of love, then we give place to the manifestations of the Spirit in our lives individually and collectively as a church body. And so we're going to start there. Now, the nine gifts of the Spirit are mentioned, and we're going to read them in just a moment. But the nine gifts of the Spirit can be broken down into groups of three, just like the nine gifts of the Spirit. You've got the God word, three. You've got the man word, three. And then you've got the us word, three. Love, joy, and peace are the God word, three. And then the man word, three. You got long suffering, gentleness, and goodness. And then you got the us word. You've got faithfulness, meekness, and temperance. And so you see the first three we talk about, and you're going to see in just a moment how the deposits that God has made in us and how these three affect our lives and our relationship with Him, and then with others, and then, of course, with ourselves and controlling our flesh. So. As we begin, let's look at first of all, number one, love. And to be honest with you, these nine graces of the Spirit are really one 
love, but the other eight are expressions of that love, and we're going to see that as we go along in our study. So love is first. Love. The love of God. Agape. Look at Romans 5 and verse 5. And hope makes not a shame because the love of God, it's the God word thing. It's the love of who? Whom? God. Is shed abroad, explodes in our hearts. How? By the Holy Ghost. There he is. Which is given to us. Can you imagine that? If we can just see that, the Holy Ghost sending shooting flames of fire on a day of Pentecost, lighting upon each of them and kerpow, exploding the love of God within the human heart. It's a love that we never had before being born again. Before we got the life of God in us, we didn't have the love of God. We had natural human love. We had eros, which is uh, erotic love, physical attraction love. We had storge, compatibility. We had phileo, responsive love. Scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. But we never understood, never had any identification with the love of God. God so loved the world that he gave his son. That's agape love. And it exploded within your heart. It exploded within your life. It flooded your very soul. And what does it give you the capacity to do? To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love people. This love of God exploded in each of us. And guess what? We would never understand it if we didn't have a revelation of it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We wouldn't understand how it behaves, how it acts. But God gave us by his spirit, his love. He exploded it within our hearts so that we can walk in this realm of love and love him and love people the way he wants us to because that's what life is all about. Because God is love. In the book of Ephesians, in chapter three, this love is what enables us to be filled with all the fullness of God that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that you being rooted and grounded in what? love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth the height those are the four endless dimensions of the love of God and we see them in different manifestations in the earth why that you would know the love of Christ that you would be filled with all the fullness of God God so loved the world is the breath of his love that he gave his only begotten son as the incarnation, the length of his love. To what length would he go to? That whosoever believes in him would not perish. That's the depth of his love. He, what depth would he go to? Suffer the death of the cross. But have everlasting life is the height of his love. He didn't just raise us up and leave us at this level. He made us to sit together with him in the high heavenly places. You talk about love. Being loved that way. What love that God saw us so valuable, so precious, so dear to his heart that he would do such a thing. He loves the whole world. He proved it by giving his son who died for our sins and raised us up together with him. Those are the endless dimensions of God's love. And if we understand them, we're filled with all the fullness of God. So that's number one, the God word. It could be a whole lesson itself, but we're going to move on so that we can better understand all this. Look at number two, joy. Joy is love's strength. What does Nehemiah 10 say? Look at the latter part of the verse. For this day is holy unto the Lord, neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your what? Whose joy is it? The joy of the Lord is our strength. See, love gives birth to joy. 
and the joy of the Lord is our strength. You realize we should be the most joyful people on the planet. We should. Look at the, in the John's gospel, chapter 15, I believe it is, in verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you. Why? That my joy, whose joy? Jesus' joy. See, it's the God word. Might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Praise God. God wants us full of joy. To be a joyful people. Why? So that others can see the joy that we have in our lives and want what we have. That's why we should be contagious. How come you're ever so jo- always so joyful? You really want to know? Yes, I really want to know. Do you really want to know? Yes, I really want to know. Are you sure? Because I'm about to tell you. <laughs> Jesus! Oh! <laughs> That's why. As a matter of fact, look at the way uh, Peter First Peter says it. In First Peter chapter 1. Wherein you greatly rejoice... Though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found to the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love, and whom though you not see him, see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. You want to have glory in your life? Rejoice with joy unspeakable. In other words, it's inexpressible. I can't explain it, but I've got a bubbling in my soul. I know I'm loved by God, and I love God, and I've got this joy unspeakable and expressible that fills me with the glory of Almighty God. You know what the disciples did when they suffered persecutions for his name's sake? They went their way rejoicing, counting it a joy that they were what? Worthy to suffer shame for his name's sake. When Peter and, and Silas, when they were in jail, what did they do? They praised and worshiped God. You wouldn't think they just got beaten and all that. They sang praises to God full of joy because they suffered shame for his name's sake. But you know what? You talk about the glory, full of glory. They began to joyfully praise and worship God so loudly he began to tap his toes from heaven. And when he stomped his feet, the earth shook, everyone's bands were loose. You want to have the glory appear? You want to have the glory manifest? Start rejoicing, praise God, before you see an answer. Start rejoicing in the midst of the tribulation. Start shouting the praise of Almighty God, no matter what you're going through. Amen. If they could do it after being beaten like that, how much more can we do it? Just because someone hurt our fill bats. <laughs> and then James also gives us a reason. In chapter 1 and verse 2. My brethren, counted all what? joy when when everything is going well when all is fine no when you fall into diverse temptations why knowing this that the trying of your faith works patience but let patience have her perfect worth that you might be perfect and entire wanting nothing so what are we supposed to do make a command the word count means it's an army command counted all joy hallelujah So we should be the most joyful people on the planet. And you know what? Our joy should be even greater expressed when we find ourselves in challenging circumstances. But you see that, the flesh doesn't want that. Here's what the flesh wants. Yeah, you never know what's happened to me today. I'll tell you, it's just terrible. I just, I just, I don't know how much, that's another day. Oh my goodness, what am I going to do today now? Oh my heavens, I got this to do. I've got that to do. And the flesh just doesn't want to get involved in all that. 
Sometimes you just got to just rise up and just say flesh, line up with the will of God. Line up with the word of God. If you want joy, you got to shout for it sometime. If you want joy, you got to jump for it sometime. Amen. The joy of the Lord's our what? Strength. It's our fortified place. So if we want to be strong, if we're led by the Holy Ghost, if we give the Holy Ghost opportunity, if we release him within our spirit, we'll find joy unspeakable and full of glory. And we'll shout the praise of God until the glory falls. Break your bands, hallelujah. Set you free. It empowers us to overcome temptations. Number three, peace then is love's security. Peace is love's security. Look at this, John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace. Now he gave us his love, he gave us his joy, and now what's he given us? His peace. I'm giving you my peace. Not as the world gives. Give I unto you. Now, let not your heart be troubled, and neither let it be afraid. Hallelujah. Perfect peace that passes all understanding has been given to every single one of us. You say, but I don't feel that. I'm always worried and fretful and all that. Wait a minute. That's because you're yielding to the flesh. See, if you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh to feel worry and anxious and all that. Can you see that? We're, we need to recognize I'm yielding to my flesh. But if you have peace, and remember, he'll keep you in perfect peace when? When your mind is stayed on him because you trust him. So when our minds are stayed on him, we walk in the realm of perfect peace. Look at Romans chapter five and verse one. If there's anything to be concerned about, this is it right here. Our eternal destination. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Doesn't that just produce tranquility in your heart? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. You see, this peace is working within us to let us know, I'm a child of God. I'm at peace with where I'm going to end up and spend my eternal destination. I'm at peace with God. I have the peace ruling in my heart. And God wants that peace to surface. He wants us to yield to this peace. And allow it to do what? Become the umpire. Let peace rule in our hearts or act as an umpire in our decision making process. If I don't have that peace, and you know what? My flesh is probably telling, trying to tell me to do something. Uh, praise God. Look at uh, Romans 15, 13. Let's get the Holy Ghost involved here. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit ghost the power of the holy ghost stirring within our hearts produces this joy and this peace why because it's the fruit of the spirit now, now mind you i realize we're talking about two things here you've got the holy spirit and the recreated human spirit but may i ask you who recreated your spirit the holy ghost and so these characteristics are the characteristics of god imparted to us by the holy ghost so this is an interaction between the spirit of God and our spirit. So when we talk about walking in the spirit, yes, it's the spirit of man that bears the fruit. But where does it come from? The vine. And so it's the Holy Ghost in us doing what? Empowering us to walk in love, to walk in joy, and to walk in peace. It's all about the Holy Ghost and yielding to him. And so we're walking in the spirit, not in the flesh. And then look at Romans uh, chapter 8. And this will really help us to better understand how we can unleash these forces for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh but they that are after the spirit 
the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. So when our mind is stayed on him, it produces peace. Don't you just love how David responded when Goliath spewed out his venom? Nonchalantly walking by and hear what he had to say. What did he just say? He didn't come unglued. He didn't hide behind a tree like all the others did. They cowered in fear. But what did David do? What did he say? Who is that uncircumcised Philistine who defies the armies of the living God? What did you say? I'll get if I bring him down. The honey, the money, and no taxes. I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm there. Perfect peace. Amen. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> That's the first three. Um, look at the second. Long suffering is love's endurance. Long suffering is love's endurance. And look at the second Peter chapter three. This is very important, very powerful. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. Would you call that long suffering? And a thousand years as one day. The Lord's not slack concerning his promise that some men count slackness, but is what? Long suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Aren't you glad that God is long suffering? Anybody here, will you admit that you're short suffering? Sometime? Well, guess what? You're not yielding to the spirit. You're yielding to the flesh. Because the flesh has a short fuse. You realize that? Really? Can you prove it? Yeah, let somebody pull out in front of you. I want to know how quick you're on the horn. And maybe muttering some things you shouldn't be muttering. <laughs> but I want you to notice why he's long-suffering. The reason why he's long-suffering, because he doesn't want anyone to die. Go on down to verse 15. Look what it says. He doesn't want anyone to die. And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. God is long-suffering because He's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. He's long-suffering because he wants all men to be saved. It's a characteristic of God that you and I should do what? Emulate so that we could be long-suffering with people because I know it's easy to get, again, short-suffering, to be short-suffering with people and have a short fuse, especially if they don't want to hear it and that sort of thing. But don't allow that to take you over. Because you know what? Down the road somewhere, it might take a month, two months, six months, even a year, two years or whatever. When they finally come around, you might look back and think, well, how did I do on that? <laughs> you know, did I get maybe before out of character and etc.? Or was I really walking in long-suffering and love and joy and peace and long-suffering? And was I really giving that person opportunity to come to Christ? Or, or was I just overbearing or frustrated with them to such a point, such a degree because I just criticized and judged them because they didn't want to hear what I had to say. Put yourself in God's position and imagine how long-suffering he is with us. 
Just imagine how long suffering he's been with you. Waiting for us to come around. Aren't you glad he didn't give up on you? So long suffering means we don't give up on people. Even though it may seem as though they're never, 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 never going to come around. When I used to work in a mill, I ran a mill crane. You know, and you're not the most popular person when you run a mill crane. Thank God. God gave me some gift and some skill back then, I guess. I don't know where it came from. But I was able to run the crane pretty well. And they liked me up there in the crane cab. But for the most part, I see fists flying like this here. I see fingers pointing up there. Not necessarily that one. I just see a, a lot of things going on. <laughs> and anyhow, all this stuff is going on. And I mean, they want to bring the crane out and just bring him down and just beat him silly. Because he can put your life in danger. You know. And some of these guys, I'm looking down there, and man, I'm just looking at them because I'm now saved. You know, I'm walking with God and, and all that. And, and this boy, I tell you, they just act out of control. Come to, I come to find out, like, after I left the mill and all that, about 10 years later, the two I'm thinking of right now both gave their hearts to Jesus. And would to God, if I had anything to do with it, praise go and honor and glory to God. Because I never got frustrated with them. I never retaliated. never did anything. Whatever. I just did my job. And I let my light shine. But you see sometimes we could ruin our testimony. We can tarnish our testimony and ruin our witness. If we act out of character. Be long suffering with people. It's a characteristic of God. It's a characteristic of the spirit. And also it will make a highway for God to enter in and move upon people's hearts and minds. Uh, and then also it means just being slow to avenge. If someone has wronged you, be slow to avenge. The flesh is so quick to retaliate. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath, right? But you see, the flesh is not long-suffering. The flesh wants to get even right away. Don't do it. When you feel yourself becoming that way, resist it. Stand against it. And say, no, that's not a characteristic. That's not a fruit. That's not a grace of the Spirit. That's my flesh wanting to have its way. Stop it. Amen. You say, help me distinguish between the flesh and the spirit. I can, I can start you tonight. Go home and just say, I'm going to fast for three days. Okay. Need I say more? Your flesh will say, start tomorrow. Right? Start tomorrow. And it'll begin acting up. That's your flesh talking. It wants to be fed. And even the thought of denying it food, it's not happy. It's easy to distinguish the works of the flesh. Trust me. Look at Colossians chapter 3. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and what else? Long suffering. What does it mean? Forbearing one another. Forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as, oh Lord, don't you love this when he does this? Even as Christ also forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. You see what he's saying? All these things work together. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long suffering. You say, but what if they take advantage of me? Well, did they take advantage of Jesus? A little bit? You know they did, right? Well, God wants us to yield to the spirit, not to the flesh. So being long-suffering with people. You may not see them coming around right away, but you know what? That's okay. 
in your attitude toward them be long suffering and allow God to work on their behalf and through you he'll do that as you make a highway for him to move through your life and then the next is gentleness gentleness is love's conduct it could be translated kindness as well look in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 as Paul the apostle in this chapter talks about don't grieve the Holy Spirit with your speech don't grieve the Holy Spirit speak words that edify that build up other people and don't you know grieve the Spirit because he'll fly away let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice be kind one to another tender hearted forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you so you see the word kindness and gentleness it's the same word basically and it's talking about be gentle in the way you deal with other people some people are boastful and proud I gave them a piece of my mind apparently your mind wasn't renewed you don't want to give them a piece of your unrenewed mind and you're going to see why in just a moment how powerful and how effective it will be when you are gentle in your attitude towards people notice what he said there just as God was kind toward you gentle with you you be gentle with other people don't be bitter toward them forgive them love them and guess what be forbearing because you recognize you think they've got faults oh yeah yeah I see that little toothpick in their eye well, well maybe not because I got a beam in mine this telephone pole is hanging out of mine you realize as well as I do it's so easy to see someone else's fault someone else's shortcoming isn't it true and we don't see our own and so that's why he's saying look be gentle with other people what you sow you reap amen and so you want to be gentle you want to be kind tender hearted towards other people forgiving them now notice also in the book of Titus chapter 3 show people kindness just as God showed us kindness for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish Does that, do you qualify for that were you ever foolish uh, what about disobedient do you qualify for that were you ever disobedient mm-hmm. yeah and also sometimes deceived serving diverse lusts and pleasures living in malice and envy hateful and hating one another but after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared not by works of righteousness which we have done we didn't deserve it but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior wow is that a mouthful right there aren't you glad he did that for you aren't you glad he showed you kindness even though you were deceived and foolish in fulfilling deceitful lust he still was kind toward you beloved God was kind toward us and he wants us to be kind toward other people and gentle with them but look at the next one if this doesn't make you shout praise God then get a new shouter Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7 look at what it says that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus his kindness towards us will continue throughout the ages and it will continue in a powerful way an exceeding way 
Wow. I have not seen nor ear heard. Neither has entered the heart of man the things that God's prepared for those that love him. Can you imagine what he's going to show us in the ages to come? What kindness. Oh, hallelujah. See, it doesn't stop here. Okay, next. Goodness. Goodness is love's character. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. For you were sometimes darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children in the light. God wants us to walk in the characteristics of light. And goodness, if you think of that, goodness, the goodness of God is a powerful force. When the psalmist tells us to praise him, what does he tell us to praise him for? He is good. And his mercy endures forever. His goodness and mercy work together because God is a good God we say it God is good all the time right he's so good that he's merciful he's so good that he's kind you can wrap everything up in this statement that God is good God is light God is love God is life God is good and you know what he's been good to each and every one of us look in the book of Romans goodness is a powerful powerful force or despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to what? See, repentance. God is not about judgment. He judges. He has to. But he's about mercy, forgiveness over judgment. He would prefer mercy over judgment. But if people don't repent, then what? They're going to have to be judged. But notice, it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. And that's why when we witness to people, we should really focus our attention on the goodness of God. What do you mean God's good? Look at this going on. Yeah, but God is so good. You have no idea how good God, if you ever had a taste and you saw how good God is, you want to come back for more. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. God is so good. Let people know how good God is. Oh, he's so good to me. He's been so good to you and so what, we, what do we want to do pass on the goodness of God through our lives to other people that's what God wants us all to do to live that way be led by the spirit walk in the spirit you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh sometimes our flesh wants to just rise up and say they don't deserve to go to heaven that's your flesh talking subdue it get under control now look at Romans chapter 12 powerful powerful force called goodness look how effective it is dear beloved avenge not yourselves but rather give place unto wrath for it is written vengeance is mine I will repay saith the Lord therefore if your enemy is hungry feed him if he thirsts give him to drink for in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head be not overcome of evil overcome evil with good we don't think of doing good to those that do evil to us. But Jesus said love does that. Your enemy, love your enemy. Do good to those that hate you. And so the point is this. When we do good to those that do evil toward us, it's like pouring heaping coals of fire. The fires of guilt and self-condemnation. It may take a while to sink in, but I guarantee you it will be effective and it will be powerful. God knew if he was good to us, we'd respond to his goodness. And aren't you glad that you did? Amen. So don't try to overcome evil with evil. 
Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. By the way, who do you think is more powerful, you or God? And so if you want vengeance upon somebody, let God do it. Don't you do it. You're limited. And what it's saying is, is there'll be a power of the Holy Spirit come upon that person with such guilt that will come upon him, will manifest in such a way, such a way or her, whoever, that the person will then all of a sudden under that pressure of guilt and, and condemnation, how can I treat them so badly when they've been treating me so well? Overcome evil with good. Don't let the flesh want revenge because it will want revenge, I guarantee it. Barnabas, study his life in scripture. He was a good person. He was an encourager and he always gave of his possessions to help other people. Dorcas, another woman that was the same way. You can read this in the book of Acts. Same way, very kind, very, very tender-hearted, always working benevolently to help other people because why? She was good and she did good works and charitable works among the people. And that's why when she died, they loved her so much. They surrounded her. Oh my goodness. Next, faithfulness. Faithfulness. Look at Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 6. Faithfulness. Faithfulness, this is us word. How faithful are we? Faithfulness is love's loyalty. We're loyal to God. It really means fidelity. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. God is looking for faithful people. People that will be faithful to him, faithful to his work, faithful to his cause. Faithful to live the way he wants them to live. And so they're hard to find according to him. Look in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. If we want eternal rewards and the crown of life, look, for none of those things which thou shalt suffer, behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried and you shall have tribulation 10 days. But be thou what? Be thou faithful unto, the, unto death and I will give thee the crown of life. You talk about focusing correctly when you're challenged, when it seems like as though our back is against the wall and the enemy's coming against us and tempting us and, 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 and all that. What does he say? Don't give up. Don't cave in. Don't lose heart. Don't faint. You be faithful to God to the end. Faithful in all kinds of areas. Three I can think of in Luke 16 and verse 10. Uh, these three are very important uh, areas of our lives that we need to be faithful in. But first, let's look. Oh, you got it? Okay. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. Notice least means small things. It's a small thing that you're here in church tonight, but not in the sight of God. You're faithful. And he sees your faithfulness. It's a small thing that you put in some money in the offering to advance the kingdom of God upon the earth. It may seem like a small thing to you. But the widow's mites, they weren't a small thing to Jesus. See, small things. Maybe to take your place in the body of Christ. To do some praying on your knees for the success. But small things. He that is unjust in the least is also unjust in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? So here's three areas. Small things with your financial resources and also helping another succeed. And boy, just for a moment, talk about loyalty. This really demonstrates true godly character. It shows us what we're really made of. 
I mean this. He said, small things, yes. Your financial resources, yes. But to help another man succeed. That really, really challenges us, doesn't it? Because you see, a lot of people, when they work for someone, yeah, they want to get their paycheck and they want to succeed, but they want to do it working the least amount that they have to. And if it comes to just helping that person succeed by doing something to help them succeed, they're more concerned about themselves than the other person. But Jesus says this, I'm looking for this quality in someone. I want someone who says, I'm going to help that person succeed. Because you see, that's a quality that God is looking for in me. For someone to be qualified as being faithful, he's faithful in small things, he's faithful with his finances, and he's faithful to help someone else succeed. Whether it's a ministry, a profession, your job, your employment, whoever, whatever, you're helping someone become a success and you're not jealous of their success, you're not envious of it. As a matter of fact, you rejoice in their success because you help them. That means on your job, you will work as hard as you can to do everything you're called to do. Why? Because you're helping that company succeed. You're helping someone else. And Jesus said, if that's your quality, I deem you as being what? Faithful. You're a faithful person. Guess what? I can now trust you with the greater riches which we'll learn about in eternity. Overseeing a kingdom. Who knows what it is that God would call us to do, whatever task it might be. But God says, I call you faithful. But now notice this in Proverbs 28 and verse 20. First part of the verse. A faithful man shall abound with blessings. I like that, don't you? Because you're faithful in all those areas of your life, he said you will abound with blessing. He'll bless your coming in. He'll bless your going out. He'll bless you in the city. He'll bless you in the store. He'll bless you. He'll, he'll make you the head and not the tail, above only. Not, in other words, you'll be under the blessing of God because God's hand of blessing will be upon you because why? You are faithful to do what God has called you to do. Amen. And then meekness. Well, yeah, meekness. Meekness is love's humility. It's our thoughts and attitudes towards it. Look at Matthew 11, verse 28. Beautiful section of scripture. Wonderful section of, uh, section of scripture. Come to me all the, ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For What's the first thing he says? I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest under your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If it's hard and heavy, it's not God. If it's light and easy, easy and light, it's God. When you hook up with Jesus, when you yoke up together with Jesus, he said, first thing you'll see, I'm meek. Meekness is my thoughts and attitudes towards somebody else. It's a characteristic of God and of the Spirit in my heart that says, I prefer you. Matter of fact, remember in uh, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1? Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, anybody here qualifies being spiritual? Restore such a one in the spirit of what? Spirit of meekness. Why? Considering yourself, let you also be tempted. Bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Some people gloat when they see someone else fall or they see someone else being victimized by sin or whatever 
and have an attitude toward them like as if we're superior. But you know what? I, my Bible tells me you better not judge because if you judge with what measure you judge you'll be judged by that same measure. Right? In a spirit of meekness considering yourself in other words go and restore that person considering yourself because you know why? There's no temptation given to you or among men but such as common to man but God is faithful who with the temptation will make a way of escape that you can bear it. Next verse says but then watch yourself or first before that, I think, don't think that you can't fall, because you can, especially when you think you can't. So meekness, how we treat other people, it's our thoughts and attitude, it's an act of humility toward other people. Esteem others higher than yourself. Don't consider yourself better. And always be aware that I'm just as fleshly as you are, as human as you are, and you are as I am. And so I gotta watch myself, and you gotta watch yourself, and Man, never gloat. Someone falls. Someone misses the mark. As a matter of fact, we should absolutely cry out to God on their behalf for their deliverance. And then also 1 Peter chapter 3. Notice this. Not only are we all vulnerable because we have flesh that we have to contend with. Ladies, this is highlighted in, in Scripture here through Peter by the Spirit just for you, ladies. Just for you. You ready for it? Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be the outward adorning or of plating the hair, of wearing of gold, or putting on apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek, a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Ladies, wow. Wow. When you demonstrate a spirit of meekness in your home with your husband, that meek and quiet spirit, God views that as great. Wow. See, God wants us to be led by the spirit. He wants us to walk in the spirit. These are the fruit of of the spirit, the characteristics of the spirit, and when we see ourselves not displaying those things, we recognize that, mm, I'm not walking in meekness, so let's get that corrected. And why? Because you want to have a greater manifestation of the power of God in your life. And then, um, next, temperance. This is our last, temperance. Temperance is love's victory. Anyone here like victory? Want to be victorious in your life? Look at 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. Know ye not they which run in a race, run all, but one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain. Anybody here ever run to lose? Anyone here play a sport to lose? I know some that can't play a game of checkers without wanting to win. Everyone wants to win. Everyone wants to be victorious. If you set out to do something, you're setting out to win. That's why you're playing the game. And every man that striveth for the mastery is what? Temperate. Temperance. Temperate in all things. Now they do it to attain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. I therefore so run not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beats the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. 
Temperance is one who masters the desires of his flesh. His passions, his desires of the flesh have got to be mastered. And you say, well, how are we going to do that? He just illustrated to us how to do it. It requires temperance. Just as the Olympic runner is running to win the race, has to put in a lot of time, effort, and energy before he gets out there to run the race, it involves his diet, right? It involves discipline, right? So what this person does is he trains, he exercises, he eats right, he disciplines himself. When he sees that Snickers bar, he says, I'm in training. It calls all the louder, but you're not yourself till you eat meat. You'll get that in a moment. But he says, no, I'm in training. I'm disciplined. Well, the same thing is true with us. Temperance means that we are in training. We exercise ourselves in spiritual things. No, you don't master it overnight. But God called us to do what? Crucify the flesh. Mortify it. Put it to death. The deeds and the works of the flesh. But when we see it this way, we recognize what they are. And now we know that's not a meek and quiet spirit. I'm not even going to go down that path. Whoa. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1. Meekness is one of the building blocks of our spiritual foundation that really helps us succeed in overcoming the works of the flesh. Beside this, he just said, you know, we, we have all things that pertain to life and godliness in, in pre, prior verses. Beside this, give all diligence, diligence, training, right? Add to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, and to temperance, patience, patience, godliness, Godless let brotherly kindness into brotherly kindness, charity, or love. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind. Can't even see afar off. He's forgotten he was purged of it from his own sins. See, if we're not displaying the fruit of the Spirit, then we're blind to the fact that sin was taken away. And now we have the character and the life of God on the inside of us. And we're to walk by the impulses of the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why? Look at Galatians 5, 19 and 20. And we'll give you our conclusion. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery. Fornication. Uncleanness. Lasciviousness. Idolatry. Witchcraft. Hatred. Variance emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, all these works of the flesh, they want to control our lives. They want to take us over. But if we walk in the Spirit, we won't fulfill any of those. We won't get into strife with people. We don't have to be right, do we? Because it doesn't matter if we are or if we're not. What matters is, Are we demonstrating the characteristics of God by the Holy Spirit as he's imparted to us these wonderful graces of the Spirit so that we can act like him through our lives on earth? Matter of fact, let this be our prayer daily. Clothe me, Father, with your Spirit that your purposes may be fulfilled in me and through my actions and my words. In your conclusion, 
It's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. Aren't you glad for that? And we've been totally cleansed. But through the spirit we are empowered to crucify the flesh and live holy, godly, righteous lives. And it's up to us to choose whether we sow to the flesh or sow to the spirit. And notice he said as, as in, in that same chapter, if you sow to the flesh, that's corruption and death. You sow to the, sow to the spirit, you reap life. So don't get weary in well-doing. Why? Because in due season you'll reap if you faint not. And keeping this flesh under, sometimes you might think you're going to faint. You say, die. I told you to die. But it still wants what it wants. If you try to fast, it growls at you. It's saying, feed me now. Right? If you're tired, I want to rest. If you feel lazy, you want to relax. If you're angry, you want to shout at someone or something or hit something or whatever. Well, praise God, we can yield to the Spirit. And if we don't faint, we're going to reap life. Let's all stand together before the Lord. That's setting the stage so that we can enter into the gifts of the Spirit. So follow after love, which really is all this that we just talked about. And desire what? Spiritual manifestations. Anybody want spiritual manifestation? Gifts of the Spirit in operation in your life? Anybody want to succeed in, in uh, having God move on your behalf to do great and mighty things? If we flow with the Spirit and follow that, He will. Amen. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound. And through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.